0: I'm just too working with us to be. trying to bring it into an ordinary experience rather than an experience a sort of that somebody within my life never had any previous experiences. I remember for much for part of my life, nobody close to me ever died. My parents moved to their back, their ways, and it was 24, my grandmother died, but the only one that took two of us to But then the grief, the respect of loss, even, uh, you can even sense it, uh, like, at the end of the uh, Leicester summer story, in a kind of grief experience, if you've enjoyed being here, then having to leave it, separating from what you've liked enjoy or enjoyed or loved, that feeling of thought is even the most important. It is what it is. You know, it's not, you know, it's an you're not making anything out of it. Somebody's not saying that you should feel anything at all, but I mean, if it's the notice, right? You know, um, uh, if you're with a good friend and you're having a good time, there's a, a kind of reticence to separate. Uh, and a grief uh, and a contention requires a sort of law And we tend to ignore it, usually, and go on to the next thing and draw kind of ourselves into the next thing. But uh, in, in mindfulness, we're beginning to notice the way it is, rather than judge it. Well, it, it, it can well, you know, I'm, I'm neurotic, and you know, I'm pretty wrong with me because when I leave my friends, I always feel a sense of loss. I, I know I'm just being a silly old fool. I don't realize that's the way it is. <laughs> it's like that's why it feels like this. And so then you're relating to it in terms of dhamma Rather than in terms of a uh, personal judgment, or just ignoring, just, just trying to ignore and dismiss things in your life, you're willing to. They're, they're the Dhamma teachings are ways uh, of really looking and, yeah. and, and realizing what, what it means to be human being or a you know, human body, a cultured form on the planet, mm-hmm. like this. <laughs> I don't know if it's being right or wrong, it's just that. <laughs> so then, in, like in the newspapers or in the Sunday school, there's all these reports every day of the... Uh, looking to the close of those children and, and the kind of uh, the turn out his mother and father and the siblings and, and because this is news, it's a sensational news of murder and especially murder of innocence of the innocent is something that just really is fascinated by God and totally repelled. And yet, fascinated at the same time. I mean, that's why they put it on headlines and stuff, because people are interested in it. And uh, and yet, children, of course, represent innocent, they, they trust trust in innocent uh, uh, beings that, that we want we generally want to protect and want to uh, uh, help, and then. And, uh, and not put them in situations where they're experiencing uh, violence for themselves or hoarseness or who <laughs> And then the, the reaction, emotional reaction, I don't know, is uh, wanting to, we want to get the killer. We want to punish the killer. And the killer then is really like that. Uh, Man 30 years old, unemployed, no uh, uh, joke. Uh, we, we like the details, uh, you know, it's really tough. And the man, there, you know, has been a kind of saintly, sweet uh, person, and, and then suddenly very something in his that's and not nutmegals, and then from the man, and you can see the man uh, irresponsible to, eat, to punish him. So these are, and this reflecting on me, not trying to say one shouldn't feel like it, but noticing it, just that how one is feeling, and to recognize, to admit what you're feeling, not to justify the thing that to, to be able to accept the feelings that even we, we may not want to feel. And idealistically, we might think, we should forgive everybody. Compassion for all, for the victim, the victimizer, is the ideal. The ideal, the beautiful ideal for us. And then emotionally, we might feel, oh, if I ever to get my hands on that float, I'm
1: going <laughs> to... <laughs>
0: So, so this is we can we can notice that the desire for revenge is also a form of suffering. And as we we begin to, to notice and, and accept what we're feeling, then then we have the choice to act or not act. I think uh, we, we can resolve these, these emotional problems uh, because uh, these emotions are impermanent, and are not self-productive, and as you're willing to trust in that kind of awareness, then you'll find yourself less and less inclined to just indulge in you know, them. So I want to get even and punish that person, or I shouldn't be feeling like that, I'm, I'm horrible. People you are know, willing to feel it and forgive it for good. But let's not do that horrible yeah. now. We, 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 we if, we, if we aren't aware of what we're feeling, we tend to react rather. For the indulgent side or the, the pressure feeling guilty about that you we know, shouldn't be feeling what we are. I mean, something bad about it or <coughs> inferior. I think at this age we've been exposed to all kinds of things that have, that we've had to deal with emotionally, right? A, a society that's changing, with social attitudes, assumptions, things are so different, say, my generation to the present one. It's interesting that Leading a community where, uh, most, where everyone's younger than themselves is not just, there's hardly anyone my age in the monastic community. I took the upal abode and I'm the oldest. She's 90. <laughs> And the assumptions, say, of somebody born in the thirties, growing up in the forties with uh, the uh, African, I think it's uh, say, from the American perspective, with a, a, a really, naive compared to what the sophistication of, of youth has known. Like, we, we never know anything about I and mean, these things were just never discussed. Sex, even the word "sex" he was, was you didn't see. we even supposed to say it. This <laughs> is <laughs> in America, West Coast America. You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> because now they'll ever say it. <laughs> Maybe yes. i lot lost time. Huh? <laughs> <laughs>
1: we
0: had words like "illegitimate child" or "bastard." or unwed mother. These are all bad things. And now it's politically incorrect to say those words. <laughs> <laughs> Single parent and, uh, and so I mean, there's a conditioning, say, of, of uh, just having to cope with the, with the change, with the assumptions and expectations. Uh, but we can adapt. I mean, you can see conservative side wanting to go back to a very kind of set structure and assumptions and attitudes that were based on, on a thing to give a, a kind of a security and, and a direction that we oftentimes don't feel anymore. We don't know where we're at in this modern society. Like I remember in... Uh, uh, Street gangs back, in, you know, of boys and that back in the 50s. I mean, they did have, they were kind of honor among thieves and things like They wouldn't hit old ladies like this. You know, you might rob a bank, but you wouldn't hit an old lady.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but now, hitting old ladies is perfectly all right. You know. <laughs> Seems, there doesn't seem to be any kind of code of uh, you know what is allowed and what anything's allowed and it does throw us into uh, a state of, of anxiety because uh, at least mm-hmm. when we have we know, you know there's a certain code to come on there that even the mafia might follow over the, the, the games uh, I mean, there's let thing like you can see this war in Bosnia is just. Anything goes. There's no rule. rules of war, United Nations, uh, NATO. Uh, just humane agreement, just being decent in, in you know in a war, sense of honor in a war. There not. to be Not respect anything. Just uh, go for it, go at them, I and mean, do anything. Anything goes, and so. We recognize that, that this throws this, this us into, uh, into a sense of, of not being able to trust the externals very much. But this also means, it means that we've never learned to internalize our, own, our sense of responsibility and honor where maybe too much emphasis has been placed on, ex, on ordering, controlling things externally. And through intimidation, through rewards and punishment, people somehow don't internalize that uh, integrity, personal integrity. So personal integrity also, is, if, it's, if it's taken on too personally, then it, it, it also has it, it takes us to sense of despair. Because we can never be as honourable, or as 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 you think, and and then we oftentimes expect other people to be honourable. How many of us have felt incredibly disappointed, disillusioned, because somebody else uh, fell off their pedestal? They weren't honourable. They were mean. They were they were dishonest. When we, we had expected much more of them, and then we felt terribly distraught or disappointed or embittered by. It. But all these, these kind of feelings are can be seen as Dhamma, that's like to, to really uh, you know to the feeling of being of, of being disappointed or embittered or betrayed by somebody. not to, you know, the, the, the theme in terms of dhamma is being able, to, is willing to feel, feel that emotion. But it's the same, letting, letting yourself feel it means you're also letting go of it. Because as soon as you're able to accept something, then you're, you know, it, it sounds paradoxical, but when you can accept something, you, you're letting go of it, and it will, it, it will disintegrate, first. So there is a way to resolve, say, the, uh, the memories of the, the, the unpleasant side of life that we experience, other than just refusing to look at it, rejecting it, or indulging in those feelings, uh, in, in, in the terms of this should never happen. happened, uh, I'll never forgive that person, and, and believing it and carrying on in that, in that manner without realizing what you're doing with death it's uh, death is uh, the perception of death is a very it means the end you know, it's the finality for us it's As far as human experience goes, it's the absolute end of a life. Once you're dead, that's it. We don't know beyond that point. Mean, we we might we might have ideas or we might even have, you know have theories people have various ideas and theories and and doctrines about life after death. But in terms of, of uh, experience right now, all I can say is, I don't know what happens when I die or you die. So this is knowing, it's, it's, a, it's, it's knowing something in the, in the moment. When, when the subject of what happens when, when you die Buddha would remain silent so that's significant of silence death and silence and not knowing and nothingness and emptiness and not self this is these these, these, uh, these very words Convey uh, the, the mystery, the unknown that we tend to to not realize or not not respect by continuously kind of becoming things, getting involved, going from this to that, running around, following habits, uh, endlessly distracting our mind, getting absorbed into things. Into conditions and and having strong views and opinions and and causes and purposes and all this, and we can we can devote ourselves to to very good causes in, in life, and at the same time completely ignore the the death, the silence, the emptiness, the non-self, because these these, in, in the terms of, of an intellectual approach, logically it means annihilation. You know, when you're thinking, it's either you, you, you think of death as, as the absolute end, emptiness as a void, a blank void, nothingness as, as something that, that is worthless, nothingness is like being stripped of everything, there's nothing. It seems to always have to be a pejorative quality. There's nothing. Or God doesn't exist. God is dead. Remember back in the '60s, God is dead. Or God doesn't exist. These kind of uh, annihilating statements So, in terms of of the of the rational mind, then we we, uh, we we find that if we're just trying to figure it out in terms of logic of logic, then we go between extremes of uh, eternalism and annihilationism. And in the Four Noble Truths, the, the Buddha was went uh, the the middle way between the Dharma sutra kind of yoke, which is the Hollywood for the, the, the eternalist view, forever happy, uh, living in a realm of, of ultimate bliss. Uh, as, a, as a person, like the Jehovah's Witness type of heaven, or even the Christian heaven, where the soul that lives with God for eternity is one extreme, then, then the annihilationist, which is oblivion, nothing, you you and there's nothing else. It's a total, the mind will just deny. And the, the Buddha said, it's, it's, it's neither extreme, So that's why it's not a logical experience. That's why when you think about Nirvana, to many people means heaven. Doesn't okay. it? I mean, the common, common use of the word by people who aren't even Buddhist. they use them as a, as like a heavenly realm. I'm going to, I want to go to Nirvana, which means I want to be happy forever. I got a perfume named Princessara. that. <laughs> <laughs> any time, Nirvana to come out. Some <laughs> kind of incredibly fragrant, marvelous perfume. But if you really, if you really want the fragrance of Nirvana, it's odorless. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: but that's how the, the logical mind works. It, it can only like eternal happiness seems like a, a, a very desirable state. Eternal misery is, is the most undesirable thing. We so in terms of desire and 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 conditionality, then eternal happiness and eternal misery are the positive extremes. Then Machima Bhati is that is that just kind of some kind of mediocre compromise? Just settling for mediocrity and the rainness of your life? Or is it is Maksima transcending? And so transcendence is is what we're pointing to in, in, in meditation. In, is to realize that state of, of awareness is the, is the way of transcending the condition. Just by being aware of them as they are, you're transcending greed, hatred, delusion. You're transcending your personality. You're transcending uh, your your opinions and views. You're transcending your, it doesn't mean your your you're tra- transcending in a way of rejecting or, or not having anything to do with it. But it means you A transcendent view means that you can see them for what they really are. And if you can't get that perspective, then we endlessly become all these different things over and over again. And if you, if you have... If you can't be mindful and accept what... The flaw of your life for what it is, then we tend to endlessly uh, become involved and we we become very habitually we we tend to repeat the same things over and over again even when we know better we tend to to resort out of fear sometimes or just ignorance and desperation to unskillful means even though though we know it's wrong why do we do it? why do we sometimes do we all when we're caught in a trap or we're pushed in a corner, life is difficult, we we easily get into doing something or saying something, you know, we've it's, 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 it's done it before. And it may be the impulse, the emotion we're feeling, and we tend to follow that, even though one part of us knows that it is unskillful or unkind or wrong to do that, etc. And this is why saying say, on the battlefield, when, when your life is in danger, you don't have time to be grand and generous and all forgiving. Now unless you've really developed this part, unless you've you know, evolved and really developed this transcendent awareness, if you're just caught in the, in the habit, in, in the emotional habit, then you often you, oh, you resort to survival of the fittest. Law of the Jungle. Kill the weak ones. You know, get, get what you can for yourself. Save yourself, even at the expense of everyone else. Is isn't uh, an, an emotion that that's none of us have ever had. Then we, we look at, at things like the, the uh, Bodhisattva or the Christian example, uh, Christ coming to, to take on the suffering of the, of the world, a sacrifice for all humankind, or these kind of images. <coughs> the potential for a human beings to, say, sacrifice themselves for the welfare of others is is, uh, incredibly noble And the parents do that. They have to sacrifice a lot of their own desires and and, uh, personal preferences for the welfare of their family. When we grow up, we have to sacrifice a lot of things for the welfare of others, whether we like it or not. And, that, and that's always a, a sign of, of to me of, of maturity where you, you're willing to do that. You're not just, just obsessing yourself uh, and trying to get everything to yourself but you're, you're willing to forget yourself and do what you, what you may not feel like doing but because it is the right thing to do for the welfare of others. So this is uh saying talk about the Hinayana Mahayana psychotomy. This one I was talking about was yesterday. Uh, uh the, the selfish the selfish uh <coughs> tendency of uh, I wanna get enlightened. I'm fed up with this world I'm fed up with living with all these human beings that just endlessly disappoint me and cause me problems and make demands on me. I'm going to go off and get enlightened. Don't bother me. Leave me alone. Unless you bring me food, but shut up and don't talk to me. <laughs> And then then the idealism of the bodhisattva is uh, I I will uh, use my life for the welfare of all sentient beings. Before I take the vital the uh, the the last greatest rash must be enlightened. That's, that's, that's altruism that I mean, uh, is the most extreme form of altruism. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a reflection, isn't it? On, on it also reflects the, the selfish tendency. But notice in this, we're, uh, we're, we're looking at selfishness and at idealism too, in the our practice. We're not trying to become this it, kind of ideal bodhisattva through just through just thinking and, and and conceiving a bodhisattva in, in, in the highest most equivocal way because then it, it then we and, and but we don't know ourselves at all all we can do is is see that we're so far removed from that ideal you know in, in the nitty gritty of life. <coughs> When uh, you know you want to, to save all sentient beings, but you you feel angry with the with the person who's uh, who uh, just pushed their way ahead of you in the in the queue, you want to <laughs> murder them.
1: <laughs>
0: well, you know, you maybe you might you might feel, you know, may all the billion Chinese in China they aren't threatening me at all at this moment, May they be well and happy. But the little old lady that just swooped in in front of you in the queue, <laughs> or, oh. <laughs> and so we might feel very, uh, you know, like like oh, you know, I you know I felt this desire to hit her, and I just, and I shouldn't. Here you know, I'm I'm trying to be a Bodhisattva, and, I, <laughs> and I go, I'm mean-hearted. I'm a, a terrible man. But in the transcendent awareness, is this awareness of those feelings. And of also, which one can be aware of, that you really need to know the self, what it feels like to be selfish. Uh, The sense of me, what I think, my, what I want. How can you do this to me? Why me? Uh, You never think of me. and all that, those kind of feelings, you don't respect me. I've done a lot for you, but what have you done for me? <laughs> <laughs> i I worked my fingers to the bone to provide meals for the meal other day, but you just walk off. We never came mess, well, I can now. <laughs> Or the me that, 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 is, that feels guilty all the time because you do have mean thoughts, like wanting to, to hit the person that, that rushed in ahead of you in the queue. Or feeling guilty because you, you like to eat food. Or feeling guilty because you, you're, not, you're not as good as you imagine you should be. You can't be as fine, as refined, as beautiful, as noble, as you can imagine. So, so in meditation where we're noting this ability to image, to make images, to create images, like superlative images, uh, ideals, and we, we also, I mean that's a, that is a, a great gift we have, not to be despised, but we have to know that it's just a function of the mind. Isn't it? And it oftentimes blinds us to the actual experience of life, because we're always, if we're attached to ideals, then we tend to to dismiss, ignore, and condemn the ordinariness of life, both in ourselves and in the people we live with, the society we live in. So getting to know yourself, willing to listen and, and observe what what goes on in your mind? It's this way. If I feel in a selfish mood, I feel people are not kind not not giving enough, not uh, not sensitive enough to me. I I contemplate that. What does it feel like? To what is it what is it like that, that sense of, of being hurt or offended or upset by somebody else? And so I, I began to to, to accept the feelings, just just observe, like in, in terms of the mood of the mind, that that that, that is the result of that. So in, in terms of jhitaan or the, the uh, to notice the the feeling, say of. Of, of being offended is like this and to and then being able to to sustain accept that feeling till it and it will it will cease and to, and then again I, I reiterate the need to that the, the importance of noting the cessation of the absence of that feeling. Because in consciousness you, you're you're developing what they call a content of the you're developing an awareness in the, in the way the the flow of the flow of conscious experience. You're not just aware of just outstanding moments uh, that you're conscious of, but you're you're developing awareness of the of the movement, the arising, ceasing, and the emptiness or the non attack and as you begin to trust and rest in that awareness attentiveness, awakenness then anything that goes through your mind is, is, uh, is, is no longer threatening you because your relationship to it isn't, isn't a judging yourself as a person but recognizing it for what it is and so then emotional habits that you have that you say like immature emotional habits and things that have been unresolved in your life, you have a way of resolving them. You have a way of letting them go—not of getting rid of, it, but actually letting them be fully conscious. And by doing that, it's like consciousness is the gate. Yeah. You can you can they, you can let them go. They cease. They go away from you. You're not. You're not connecting to the moon. You're not making karma with those conditions. So like, say, with anger, you feel angry. You accept this feeling of anger. You're willing to bear the, the mood and the feeling of this anger, this anger, angry mood. And by willing to accept it and, 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 and uh, let it be what it is, it ceases. You've not made any karma with that move, with that anger. You do make karma with it when you think, "Oh, I'm angry and I shouldn't be," and and, and get caught up in in, uh, in feeling guilty. And then you're making karma, so you'll you'll keep repeating the same thing over and over again until you trust. And this is so even the most uh, frightening or horrible things that might come into consciousness. You begin to see as uh, as purification, and when you relate to them as dhamma. Then, then you're letting go, and you're, it's a it's a purification of taking place. And we all have to, you know, like in all these they say, the past karma, resultant karma from past lives. Or from this life, when it ripens, then it then it arises. So what arises? These so it's vipaka and I can say, in just my own experience of being a monk for thirty years, I mean, one you know, even after thirty years of meditation, you still experience vipaka kama, which sometimes is, you know and the conditions are there, then you feel you some kind of emotion will arise that you may not have felt for years. Or you might have even assumed you were beyond that. Like uh, uh, when you think, I'm, you know, I no longer feel anger. I'm beyond uh, anger now. Be careful. <laughs> 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 There'll probably be a a I real test for I that. <laughs> uh, the gap between thought, the uh, silence, light, space, emptiness, like, uh, like space. We contemplate this visual state, as I in the room. We can contemplate it. We can say, space. We can we can think to ourselves, space, and then we our attention is on space. And and I'm not really when when I my attention when I'm paying attention to space, and you're still here, and I can see you, but I'm not, I'm not, you're not in, I'm not thinking about you or the things in the room. In fact, like my attention is not on the people or the things, but on space. But space contains everything. So it's like reflecting on space contains everything. We can all be here. And the space is not... Uh, you know, it can contain us all. Space contains this house, not the space in the room, but the room is in the space. But consciousness, so in the, we say, aparta and manana are the elements here earth, fire, water and air and then space and consciousness. So consciousness, con- contemplating concentrating consciousness, infinite consciousness is is, is is what is that as an experience now? Not to see it in terms of some high attainment. It's a very natural thing we all the time. It? We don't you know, we, 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 we do not realize that we're cautious But contemplating, reflecting is, is listening, is opening to this, this experience of consciousness and space. Silence, I use the word silence or stillness, light. Some people experience it in terms of life. Some people are more aware of it as silence. Like for me, is I'm aware of silence. It's a very strong experience of silence. One of the nuns that I'm about to experience is it all in life, the emptiness. Stillness. Another word. But, I mean, these are just words, but they're not. are not uh, pointing to. to uh, I mean, each one of us has to trust. You know, don't think that you're going to, to achieve everything like I do. You know, all I can do is share my experience so as an example, but not as you've got to do it. It's You've got to do it like now. But, but <coughs> just pointing beyond the words, the actual sense of stillness, of silence. The words I like to awaken attention. Like if I'm sitting here, I'm like, no, I've got to do a practice. i let you go. Is that a Sunday talk? And I'm going do
1: Building
0: this temple, or? <laughs> the plan, thought worry problem then as I'm aware mindful as I awaken, you know and if you think I'm awake if I sat here worrying about and you
1: would
0: you would think I'm awake but I'm really not Emma. if I'm caught up in in just the momentum of habit, I'm not really an awakened person. I'm I'm carried away by by all kinds of things. I'm lost in the momentum of habit. I'm a dead, I'm like a dead being. I'm not really alive until I awake. I put pay attention. So you can see so many dead people in a society. Even though they walk around, they talk, but they're full of themselves. They 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 never they never, never pay attention. They are just caught in, in in endless worries and and uh, distractions of the mind. So paying attention is like putting attention, rising up, listening, opening the mind. The stillness, the silence, the light, the place, consciousness. It's like a mirror, it reflects, then it reflects the condition do You have a perspective on it. So you a Condition. So I noticed just contemplating, say, what goes through the mind say in saying emotional habits. the same emotional habit. The Thing, is my, my emotional habit would be to, if there's a problem, and and I and I'm and i supposed to solve this problem, you know, like in the community, right? You know, people are expecting me to solve this problem. Uh, emotionally, I feel I, I my emotional reaction to this expectation, idea of having of me having to solve a problem. And be responsible. I start feeling resentful, and and I want to kind of uh, evade the issue. That's my emotional habit. But there's also, even though that's the emotional habit, there's an awareness of that as as that which is aware of that that is, that that, is, that knows that as a habit, because there's a state, there's a mirror for that habit now. And then I contemplate, do I really want to follow that habit anymore? That habit, whenever I follow it, it leads to more misery. And so let go of the habit. And just by, by willing to, by recognizing this, this, this feeling of, oh, I have to do this and what they do, solve this problem, and I'm, I'm so tired of all this, I'm having to deal with these petty little things in I can Then I can,
2: uh,
0: I, I, but I'm aware of that. And then I talk to places. Do I really want to be that kind of person anymore? Do I really want to be somebody that is saying, I've had enough, I'm fed up? Do I want to be reborn the next lifetime saying that? (laughs) I think, I think I, the previous life, I probably, that was my last
1: thought.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I remember <coughs> the child feeling, oh, not <coughs> this again. <laughs> As a young child, everything, oh, no, not this again. Human human existence again. I probably was a previous life uh, thinking that. No,
1: <laughs>
0: so if I want to be reborn again, I've got to go... Uh, and, and, and learn this lesson uh, you know, because i haven't learned it in this life learn it in this one why not what else is there to do now <laughs> uh, i'm not going to follow that that feeling and then it's by just not being averse to the feeling you're not you're not you're not condemning the feeling because it's not seen in a personal way you're recognized or accepting it and then you begin to really trust in the path, the way of the Eightfold Path. It becomes very clear for you how to practice with, with your mind, with the things, that, with your, with your life, the experience of your life, the way you are, and what happens, whatever happens. Any questions? Want to no? In terms of, we can reiterate just a little bit on um, dancing as a, you know, just a, the word itself and the power it has to know this. Master Hua is death. It's different, than Master and Hua is in a coma.
1: It's
0: different, and Master Xuan is is that the city of 10,000 Buddhists teaching uh, uh, Dhamma to everybody. I mean, it's are as sensitive as that. So the word dance has a, is a very powerful effect. And, and it, like what, it's not to, to analyze it, but to just notice it. To me, it's like it, it's the absolute end of something somebody. But when when, when death is just the end of something or somebody, it's not ultimate truth. Okay, so this is this is why it's that uh, we are refugees in the ultimate truth, the deathless, not in the death or in death. And and to to recognize, realize ultimate reality or deathlessness, is mindful, who is too just This is a simple practice of attention, reflection, contemplation. So when I can see Adam Tomato arriving at Jesus, There's an awareness. When it, when, when there's awareness, then I if I'm heedless, then I then I, I, just, I just become and tomato according to conditions. Argentinian tomato, you? tomato, you're a great teacher. And tomato, you hopeless case. And, and, I, and I'm becoming Ardent tomato, that is a, a tomato that's being born and dying all the time. Mind and even though I might think I'm August tomato all the time. When I'm asleep, I'm Argent Tomato. When I'm heedless. I'm on a tom I'm enlightened be Ardent Tomato. And my goal I'll go to heaven the Ardent Tomato is God mm-hmm. getting complicated. <laughs> <laughs> Cross-cultural <religion>. <laughs> 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 But I wasn't born out Jackman either. You know, I was born with a body and then it was given a name, Robert, and so forth. So so we're getting to, to like the what were what was your faith, original faith or what were you before you were born and, and these kind of Zen pointing to uh, that that purity, the purity of the mind. or the silence, I and mean, we experience it as silence or light, stillness. Trust in that, right? that, that, put your faith in that, in just that simplistic, simple uh, reflection. Because uh, otherwise your doubting mind will tend to, to uh, if you're trying to make something out of it, then you're, you'll end up doubting. But it's, it's it's not a matter of it's a matter of realizing, not of a kind of you are know, not creating it. It's not a creation of your mind, you're not creating silence or life. it's this natural, whatever whatever it is that kind of emptiness or not self or space. And then this sense of of like the the uh, venerable um, monk last evening talking about the pure land uh, tradition the simplicity of that teaching where where all complexities are kind of relinquished into just this, this repetition of the Mar. and eventually that takes you to silence you can only say that so much and then you're thinking about gone. If you're paying attention, if it's just a a bland kind of in your mind you're not awake, are you? You can be you can be an adult state. So you can make yourself dull through repetition. The idea of mantra is to awaken the mind, pay attention. So, uh, to, to, to use that as a as a stimulus for attention. telling somebody this morning breakfast, that I heard before, uh, and now I think I can practice Pure Land Buddhism with a ha- in a very happy way. But when I first started meditation 30 years ago, I couldn't have done it. I was too critical, too doubtful, I mean to say, so. <laughs> Pure Land, Buddha didn't be pure land. <laughs> <laughs> like there's, you know, full of this. Uh, I know what the Buddha taught. You know, and uh, and you know your own kind of doubting, negative, critical mind wouldn't wouldn't allow something as simple as a metabar uh, in your in your consciousness. You just feel to it, a very sort of critical element. But then through wearing out those those tendencies, those, those the negativity, then one can rest with such a with amikabar. No problem. Because all those things are pointing at the at this realization of this empty silence non grasping. With with uh, Vipassana teachings, I found it, uh, you know, very because it was aimed at using your critical faculties to develop wisdom. So, so sort of like investigating, it was something that I had to do. I couldn't, I didn't have the faith and the simplicity in practice of pure land. So I had, I needed, uh, I needed to you know, to examine, it, to doubt. To contemplate things. But if you take, like, just the impermanence, the Nietzsche, Sukha, Mata, three characteristics that exist and apply that to all conditioned phenomena, you begin to see, you begin to realize that the you know, conditioning of the, all the conditioned phenomena has no longer. Uh, in empowering phenomena, with with yourself, with your interests, with your prejudices, with your with your biases, attitudes, and so forth, you're, you're seeing things in terms of the touchness of them. They are what they are, but they're wholly derived as features, and not. And eventually, that takes you to this emptiness, because so you lose your your fascination for the condition no longer you no longer think of them as, as, as being as like you used to. You've them in terms of Dhamma. So are there any questions?
2: more of a sort of becoming oneself.
0: It's not a bit, if you do have a very strong, I think, of becoming sort of thinking of God, but something you're also thinking. What if you're, uh, you're relaxing, you're learning to be, uh, you're learning to live in a, in a, in a sensitive, and skillful way within the limits that we have in yeah. our karma. You know, I can only be this. I mean, I only be within this form and the kind of character, or personality, or whatever. These are. It doesn't mean I kind of I. I become a kind of bland uh, tasteless tofu is <laughs> 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 I mean, if that's my personality, then that that would be okay too. So I'm trying to be a kind of charismatic charmer either, but, but whatever... Whatever, you know, that's not the point, is that, that you find among the bhikkhus and the nuns, you know, that, that they, they still, some are good teachers, some can't teach very well, some are good at uh, making their robes, and others are not very good with their hands, and, and, and it does seem that, you know, it's, it's not that we all become ex- exactly the same in terms of how our outward appearance or expression, but we, we do, we are more and more able to use our, our abilities for the welfare of others. You know, in teaching or, or in not teaching. Or in, uh, I mean, it, it, it's interesting to see how the Western mind uh, conceives bhikkhus or, or, or non, monks and nuns, because we, we are so conditioned to be competitive that they suffer a lot from thinking, well I can't give as good a talk as so-and-so. Or people, they don't like my teachings as much as they like somebody else's, or this kind of stuff, you know. I don't think I can be a bhikkhu because I can't chant, I'm tone deaf. (laughs) Well, I mean, they come up with these kind of things, you know, chanting and, and, uh, or I don't have, you know, they, they they see themselves in, in terms of, of a personality. That's that's not the point. Whether you can chant or not chant or give a decent talk or you have no ability to teach anyone or or, or give good Dhamma talks or or it doesn't matter. That's not it's, it's the realization we're, we're pointing to, not the not the external. And, and then the externals are more or less just you know, what 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 we can offer uh, through through our karmic inheritance, but the the ego then is compared. He's a better victim than I am. (coughs) They like him better than they like me, and all that kind of thing. (laughs) uh, But then, in the monastic life, you can, you can. uh, you, you you begin to be aware of those kind of thoughts. You're not encouraged to <coughs> believe any of that stuff. And some bhikkhus are, are like tasteless tofu. They have they don't seem not much seems to be going on in them. <laughs> it doesn't mean they don't have any insight. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe nobody's ever going to get excited about them, or well, I think they're one wonderful teachers. Then they like the, the Mahayana, you we were, about Mahayana as a, because it is a, you find this, when you, when you break out of the, the illusion of self, self-concern and obsession with yourself, then what, else, what is there to do with your life but to serve others? There you go, sit. If, if, if you aren't sitting, practicing to get enlightened for yourself, that delusion is broken through, what are you going to do? You can't just sit the rest of your life, unless you're put in solitary confinement. So you might as well help others. Convention, because when you start thinking, I I must help others, then the the separate self starts coming into it. I'm going to help you, but then, as a, as a, uh, but as as you trust in the silence of the God, then it's like a mutual thing going on, not like thinking in terms of helping others from a self-centered viewpoint, that's more, is it the natural way of relating? I'm on a mission. But in in terms of experience, you're you're trusting in the the flow of your life with the people that you meet and the opportunities that come to you. you know, to be respected and, and uh, opportunity to learn and to help and to participate. Well, like any language itself is, is a, you know, it's a discriminative function. So it's uh, like, uh, we're using it more in a reflective <coughs> way than as a sort of kind of logical way. Because uh, logically, then it does, it can be get very kind of separate. We feel, you know, I'm this person, you're that person, and then we, we, it's easy to perceive the world through divisive perceptions and, and believe in, in, in the appearances. But as a reflective mind, more, than, then the words are more like reminders or stimuli. stimuli. So to say, there's no self as a, as a categorical statement to me. You know, uh, as a, but where I see anatta not as a categorical statement, uh, but as a reflective, as a reflection, a suggestion of mind. And then, uh, then when we, when the first thing the Buddha, when the Buddha was asked after his enlightenment, and the Theragatha, uh, and he looked so radiant your complexion is radiant and you look like What have you learned? I am the All-Enlightened One. <laughs> and you think, uh, that could either be a well, gross overestimation, <laughs> or it could be most profound teaching. Or you think like, like, uh, Years ago, I was invited to college in Hayward, Heath to give a talk on Buddhism. But I didn't realize it was a born-again Christian group that had invited me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they, after they, after the talk, they said, how would you explain I am the way, the truth, and the life as a Buddhist? The Christian Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And immediately, the intuitive like, uh, uh, mindfulness. You know, you can, think, like the I am then is, is not coming from the ego. But for all of us, this, this is the way the truth lies. It's through, through learning, through watching this, I am. So in Hinduism, you've got uh, even a, that kind of meditation on I am. And then, uh, and, and then the Buddha approached it from by not by relinquishing that particular style to the more reflective. Uh, there is suffering. There is the cause. There is the sensation, There is the path. So it's, uh, it's it's a different view, different uh, style. Because in Buddhism, you're you're. You, you realize that, that the Buddha. It's a very it's a pragmatic approach. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not metaphysical at all. <coughs> so that's why you you uh, it's it's not coming from a metaphysical or right. position. It's coming from realization and the present. So everything's aimed always to bring you into the present. You say economical, uh, apparent here and now, timeless, encouraging investigation, leading onward uh, uh, to be experienced individually by the wise. Is the reflection on Dhamma. So, it's always to bring you, bring you, pay attention now, rather than. Where I say metaphysical doctrines, even though they're valid approaches, what, what one tends to do is to grasp uh, metaphysical doctrines because they're so so high. They're, they're proud. And and not and, and then like the ultimate relinquishment of that doctrine is very hard for them. Like talking to Christian meditators, Christian monks, To let go of their personal involvement with God is very difficult, and yet they all know they have to do it. But there's so much emotional investment uh, on the level of a personal relationship with God. Emotionally, it's the most satisfying. This is not emotionally satisfying. It's always pulling the carpet from underneath. Remember you... Oh right now, <laughs> 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 you, know, you know, how many times I've longed to believe in God. His, my father there, and helped me down through this misery. <laughs> Pat me on the back and say, I'm all right. <laughs> or A mother, you know, somebody that's trying to uh, care for you and, and you can kind of lean on. And, and then, at, at times, you know, you, you know, emotionally, that's sometimes how one 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 not, what one does. But eventually, if that that doesn't isn't attractive anymore. Right, the more you <laughs> see it. That emotional dependence is is no longer, if you see the the dukkha of it also, and then you can relinquish it. It's not a matter of just saying, I shouldn't be that way and trying not to, but it's through investigating it. You you can see the dukkha of being emotionally dependent on even on God or on some idea or somebody else. Well, I think with like with uh, like with the Asian uh, Pure Land, they've got so much uh, faith in that in 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 that kind of teaching. It's like a It's very integrated into a cultural conditioning process. That's why it's not easy for us to do that because it's not... Culturally we're not attuned to it. We don't... We we see Amitabha in an abstract, depth-defined way, but we don't feel it. You know, an emotional connection to it usually. Where they do, I mean, you can see like at this Chinese funeral, people were just, they were just, you know, really with it, and, and it wasn't, there would was know. I mean, you didn't, and so many uh, Muslims didn't seem to have any doubts about it, and they had incredible faith in, the, in Master Shun Hua, you know, the teacher, the tradition, the culture, that's all kind of supporting that. And and oftentimes, I mean, the, the, like Master Voir would say, people tend to just, you know, it, it can be just very superficial. And uh, and oftentimes, people will do it thinking that the next life they'll get reborn in a in a, in a pleasant in a pure land, in a happy state uh, as a, as a reward for doing it for doing all this chanting. Kind of thing, but it, when you when you get to the heart of the, of that, it's, it's really in in the attention you pay to it and the the uh, the the awakeness that that comes of it. Because anything like any repetitive thing can become usually easily sinks into perfunctoriness. Or in, in meditation, in, in Zen or in Passenai, it's so easy to just, geez, just Not to not think of just going to kind of dull things. Just, we're going to have a meditation for an hour a A lot of that. <laughs> But to to really arouse that energy from within, you know, and pay attention, sustain, listening, learning to to sustain attentiveness. Just not not in a big way, even. But like, do you think I have to do it for an hour? You'll always fail at it. But say, be humble and learn just for for two counts. It's better than not bothering. Or, you know, so that you're, you're, you're learning to get the feeling for it. Get, what it. What it's really like to pay attention, just attentiveness. Listening, like I listened to the sound, I started just listening to it for a count of five. And, and I could usually sustain my attention for five counts on the silence. And then gradually, just through that kind of practice, it, when I was trying to be with a sound of silence for a whole hour, you would know, end up, I mean, it was too, you know, it was a grand idea, but I couldn't do it. So it always, it always bring up your sense of failure. So you, sort of, so you start working, not, not from trying to be the, from the, from the top, but from the bottom, you know, and learning to be content with little, the little thing, just like, like paying attention, just remembering to just be awake now, and maybe the next moment you're off again in in, in reminiscing or worrying or whatever. But then, as soon as you're, as soon as you realize you're, you're thinking about something else, and that's the point of awareness. So that's fine, you know, that's it's working, you're very good. But if you're comparing yourself to, to what you think you should be able to do and you can't do it, then you end up feeling despair about the right, contract meditation.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it is humbling because if, we can never do what we want to do. And we can never be as good as we can imagine. I mean, I can imagine myself being perfect. But as an experience of life, that's not what I'm experiencing. In me is perfect, like this, you know, a lot of it is it is if if I if I see it in a personal way, then I, I do feel despair with myself. Like, uh, you know, some of my emotional states or habits can be, you know, judged from the from from the ideal level. I can only feel despair about myself. There's so many there's different kinds, and it's the beseeching kind. But the ultimate prayer is the silence, it's like in mystical prayer, Christian mysticism. It's in the silence, the non-verbal, non-reflection. So it, and this, and and we were. I was in Italy. Uh, last month. I went to visit our monastery in Italy, and there's a, a man there in uh, Latina, who's, he's an American, but he's an uh, Italian descent, and he married an Italian lady, and, and he's uh, both interested in Buddhism, but his wife is a Catholic, so anyway, they've joined, there's a group in Latina who who they they kind of meet, they're Christians, and and John and his wife attended his meditation group. And so uh, the priest, it comes from Rome, he he was there while I was there. And they brought him to meet me, and so we had a discussion, this young priest, home priest. And uh, he was, and, and so John was saying, uh, why is it that uh, in in Christianity, you know, they, they don't teach the mystical side at all to people? Because, like most Roman Catholics, they've never even heard of it. Uh, they get a lot of moral guidance, but but no kind of mystical uh, teaching. Because it's talked to most Roman Catholics, they don't know anything about that. And... Uh, and then the, the priest said, well, they have stressed morality like this there as uh, is they, what is appropriate to the mass of the people. You know, that's why they're so concerned all the time with the moral causes of the world. Uh, and and so Roman Catholics, they uh, have a strong guilt concept usually, and, and they... Uh, but they don't, when talking about kind of mystical union or the ultimate prayer of silence, they, they, I wouldn't understand that at all. But, but when you get, when he said in the monasteries, like you know, I've been to many Roman Catholic monasteries where they do understand that, because they practice. So then there's a, there's no, you know, there's a, a kind of bond there between us, between the Catholic monks that practice and ourselves, because we're really, even though we might explain it in, in our own conventional language, what we're, we're doing is very much the same thing. And it's not, not, not that much different in terms of the actual experience. In terms of the convention, it might look very different. You know, the way we describe or the symbols that we have. But he said they have not. The Catholic Church has never really taught that—the the mystic, the mystical side, the meditative side—and so prayer does tend to be seen very much as God give me this, God save me from that, God, please don't let my mother die, God, please help me, don't let me suffer—that kind of Beseeching, kind of teaching right. And that's, that's very much like when I was a child, that you know, you prayed to God to pass your examinations in school. And, right? I mean, it was psychologically kind of helpful in many ways to, to have, you know, to think that somebody's up there who cares about you and might help you out. Uh, and, and, you know, at a certain age, that, that is uh, maybe an appropriate symbol. Appropriate style. But like Santa Claus, you finally re- realize there isn't a Santa Claus. <laughs> 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 they break the truth there, there's no Santa Claus. One of the girls came back to school and told her parents, yes, there is.
2: <laughs> Mary told me there was you
1: better bring me something <laughs> <laughs> I then you can not it to help for me I think I was must and I thought it very
2: big now, don't care, brother, what in you? know, everything's good. That's that came back to me, you God said this over that to me. I didn't want know what was going on. It that real that over. We are back now, we have that to Maybe private, that is not of... the same if the respect
0: be a good time.